Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. This Halloween weekend, follow us into the darkest, most chilling reaches of deep space for a new actual play miniseries featuring the hosts of the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions, 19 Hits the Dragon, and Tabletop Journeys podcasts. Tensions are high, the terror is real, and you can hear our screams. Be prepared for Aliens, a creature triple feature. Join your hosts for a weekend of horror, frights, and vicious abominations as they play through the Aliens RPG module Chariot of the Gods from Free League Publishing. Each podcast channel will feature one episode of the three-part actual play miniseries. Dads with Nerdy Ambitions starts with part one on Friday, October 29th. Tabletop Journeys continues with part two on Saturday, October 30th, and 19 Hits the Dragon brings you the thrilling conclusion on Halloween, Sunday, October 31st. You can find more details at www.virtualactualplay.com or by subscribing to all three shows. Make sure you don't miss a minute of the harrowing action. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. But that's why we have podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to tonight's episode. Now, this is an episode that has been, at this point, almost a couple of months in the making. We are very excited to kind of have our end-of-year side quest wrap-up, although side quests are continuing on we, uh, as we continue to find new things here. But basically, end of 2020 to 2021 uh, side quest wrap-up, what we hope to be annual tabletop journey side quest awards, the questies gentlemen, I am sitting here in my finest Versace tuxedo, nothing but the finest bubbly in my glass. Uh, I hope that, uh, I hope that you are all doing fantastic this evening. I am dutifully appointed. Armani looks amazing on the kid. That's just what I'm telling you. 
I like th- nobody can see this, but this is the finest Armani suit I've ever dreamed of wearing. And I do literally yep. mean dreamed of wearing. It is yeah, this awesome. is why we don't record video. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um I will say this. I have been looking forward to this since we first really locked in the fact that uh, talking about our shows, fandoms, and really bringing this to our ta- these uh, shows to our tables and including them in what we do on this channel, I've been looking forward to it ever since then. I love the nominations. I, you know, they're so good. I'm really excited, and I think it's cool wow. that we have great participation with our Facebook group, yeah. our listeners as a whole, and the amazing followers we have on Twitter and the participants who voted there. Uh, I think those are all really, really cool things that really show how important these types of shows are to our community. And we can all take great stuff from all of these shows. Every nominee is special. And I, I know that sounds really weird and placating, but literally some of these were so hard to choose between. Um, they're just <laughs> yeah. degrees of utter excellence. I mean, certainly to that point, a huge thank you to the followers of the Facebook group, the Twitter followers, our Patreons who uh, who have helped us out in a couple of uh, jams here to help us resolve ties, and to everyone who voted. I hope you all had as much fun as uh, as we did uh, coming up with these. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that the winners here, at least the ones that we voted for and the ones that we like, certainly say some things about how uh, how we viewed <laughs> how 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 we uh, how we view these characters and how we view these these shows and how how we want to bring their particular themes uh, to our table. So, uh, how about you, Glenn? How are you tonight, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I mean, I did have a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction. I haven't worn my tux in a really long time. The only, th- <laughs> the only thing that still fit was the socks and the bow tie. So, Oof. hey, don't that's stand all up. I'm rocking. Yeah, don't Sorry, stand guys, up. Yeah. you can see me on camera. <laughs> yeah, it's a, an amazing thing about tuxedo shirts. They shrink over time. It's the strangest mm-hmm. thing. That's, I remember that from music school. So, so but, All right. Let us uh, let us dive in here. Then let's go ahead and get started. So uh, we're not going to do the categories in the same order that we did them on the uh, on the polls. In case anybody is paying attention, uh, but we have decided a, a order uh, basically based on engagement. So uh, 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 the uh, the poll questions that had more votes uh, are going to be towards the end of the show, and the ones uh, and other ones are going to be up here at the front. And some uh, of those numbers with, were pretty surprising in the engagement. Uh, amazingly kind of surprising, yeah. We'll talk about the uh, about the Ben Barnes Brigade and the fr- <laughs> the uh, Friends of the Shadow and Bone show when we get to some of these later categories because holy crap! <laughs> like yeah. that's, I think that's yeah. the only thing I can say. A couple, couple of those polls went nuts. Went nuts. <laughs> I can say that the uh, the Jasper fans were particularly vocal as well. They yep. uh, I had a I had a couple comments on some of the Facebook posts uh, yep. regarding him, and they were a little frosted that. Uh, that uh, Ben Barnes uh, had a showing, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so th- I, we'll certainly get into that in, in a lot of these categories. That they were uh, that there were uh, there were some some people who were giving us a hard time for putting for putting some of uh, the choices together and only letting them vote for one. Uh, so we'll uh, when we get to this, like uh, some of the Mandalorian categories, we'll uh, we'll get in here. But we start tonight with. The Questy for Best New Character. Now, uh, a, a brief word about kind of the uh, the rules that we went by, right? 
So to qualify, uh, the the show or the category had to be in effect between September twenty September first of twenty. 20 through August 31st of 2021 because we started the polling in September of this year. So so this this is the best new character to have appeared on a show in that time frame. And the four nominees are uh, Jack Quaid as Ensign Boimler from Star Trek Lower Decks, mm-hmm. Kit Young as Jesper from Shadow and Bone, Anne Skelly as Penance Adair from The Nevers, and Michelle Ang as Omega from The Bad Batch. And the quest he goes to not not no Kit Young as Jesper from Shadow and Bone, which yeah, really yeah. at the end of the day is not a surprise to anybody. Yes. because we—if you listen to our Shadow and Bone episode, you 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 heard how much we absolutely loved Kit Young as Jesper uh, in that show. That character was phenomenal uh, and won in a absolute landslide. Yeah. So they they had all charisma mm-hmm. all the cool factor uh all i can say is get your goats we're gonna have some fun and and <laughs> it was amazing it was such yeah. a beautiful and wonderfully well acted and displayed and portrayed character and what i really liked about it is there wasn't anything that i could think about that was like that before i can't say he oh that's a little like this or a little like that I will forever see characters as, oh, that's like Jasper. Yeah. And that's what made yeah. that character stand out. Yeah, Jasper was cool because, I mean, he is a completely, well, to me anyway, and I'm not saying there's not somebody out there that could make an argument for the opposite, but to me anyway, he is like a completely new take on the gambling gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, this is stepping out of the Western role, but that's effectively what, what Jasper is. Yeah. Is he's a charismatic gambling gunslinger, but he leaves the Old West motif behind and, and you know steps into this gaslight era hijinks and it was pretty amazing yeah so much fun to watch and the actor totally. is yeah, fantastic who does yeah. not Absolutely have a particularly amazing. deep catalog on imdb he's a relatively new actor this is one of his first really big roles and i so look forward to everything he, he he's going to be doing moving forward um what they've done this far is amazing. What they're going to do in the future, I can't wait for. All right. Our next category this evening. Uh, and uh, gentlemen, I do think that uh, after we uh, after we reveal this particular category, you will see what I believe is going to be a trend that will run through the rest of the evening. So our second category this evening, most inspiring new world or setting. And the nominees are the world of Ravka from Shadow and Bone. The depiction of Victorian England in The Nevers, the depiction of New England or Arkham in Lovecraft Country, and the depiction of the 32nd century in Star Trek Discovery. And the winner of the 2021 questie for new ins- most inspiring new world or setting? Ravka, Ravka from Shadow, from and, Shadow Bone. and Bone. Ravka from Shadow and Bone, which gives Shadow and Bone already uh, a two for two in the number of awards. But really, uh, I don't know. Uh, Glenn, tell us about Ravka. What did you think about it? Ravka is a pretty interesting place. I mean, it's kind of modeled loosely after you know some pieces of Russian and Northern Asian culture a little bit, uh, just in terms of some of its flavor. But it stays completely unique and its own country uh, as it comes through in Shadow and Bone. 
I mean, you've got you've got the Grisha and the normal populace as an immediate split right off of the bat. Though, for some reason in Ravka, the people with more power are kind of, well, you don't want to say second-class citizen because they get a lot of power, but they have to do this thing. They're forced to become Grisha and be part of the second army. Um, they don't have as much freedom as everybody else, even though they're so powerful. They're kind of slaves to the king in the current dynamic. Uh, but the fold in particular and how it splits the country, that's yeah. what really makes Ravka dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dynamic is exactly the way to describe it too. Just the the world that we saw in this mini, in, in this series was so vibrant. Vibrant's the wrong word because it did kind of have this like pallor of darkness over the entire mm-hmm. thing. So, it, but the the world was so it was so rich. It was so deep. It was so flavorful. At the end of the day, yeah, flavor is the perfect segue for what I wanted to mention. But I will say. It had a sombrosity. There's something somber about it. So I totally made up a new world, sombrosity. Mm-hmm. But I like everything was dire. Nothing was going well. You really mm-hmm. got the feel that these fights were not going well for any side. Everybody was looking for some edge, some edge that would give them the ability to turn the tide, bring some sunshine into their drab lives or whatever the case may be. And yet everybody, no matter how separate their wants and needs were, they were all fighting against the same thing and not even realizing it. And I think that was really cool. And it displayed itself in so many different ways, whether it be just the way the ships rolled across the sand, just, you know, the the type of technologies that that developed, the societies that developed. And along those ways, like I said, I wanted to talk about flavor, that perfect segue. Who didn't? want those waffles <laughs> if you watch that show there was no part of you that did not want those waffles yeah and and that is the kind of detail i mean they made me want a breakfast item that did not include bacon my hand my hand to whatever power you believe in <laughs> that doesn't happen often no that is a powerful <laughs> statement from you yeah Okay, so now we move from the small screen to the big screen, uh, and we jump to the best movie category. And man, you know, this was this was a tough category to populate. Pandemic. I don't know. It it, it felt tough. Yeah, pandemic. That's fair. There was a pandemic year, and so uh, the category was po- tough to populate. But our nominees are for best movie: Mortal Kombat, Kong versus Godzilla, Black Widow, and Suicide Squad. And Mr. Miller, I'm going to kick it to you because the winner of the first annual Questies for Best Movie, you can go ahead and finish it, Mr. Miller. Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! (laughs) Really just a fantastic, cheesy, amazing movie. It really was. Like, it was like, it was one of those movies that you wished that you could see in theaters because it just seems like the entirety of the audience would have been having such a good time watching this movie. We have all sat through the lousy versions of, of Mortal Kombat from 20 years ago. We all remember the video game. This movie was actually good. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it had a certain fun that, you know, if I can jump off a little bit here, uh, it had a certain fun that I think black widow missed that. I know that black widow was a more serious movie and everything like that. But I think that if you look at how mortal Kombat handled its source material, 
I think Black Widow could have used a little bit of that. And I think that that's part of the reason that was part of the flaw behind Black Widow. So I think Black Widow had fun thanks to Florence Pugh. But thanks to Florence Pugh, right. Yeah. But it didn't have there was just something about it that was a combination of brand new, old school excitement and menace. Like it had all of those things. Like Sub Zero was legit one of the most menacing characters I saw on film. Oh, in this year. absolutely. Like, usually you watch a movie, you see a bad guy, you're like, oh, the hero will do this, the hero will do that. I'm watching this whole movie like, ain't not one hero going to survive a one-on-one with that dude. Like, nope. not one. True to form, most of the fights with Sub-Zero was, did I get away? Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it was a master class in how do you make your villain menacing, uh, is what that was. Yeah. We we talked about that in our episode about that is is how kudos. well the enemies were crafted. Yeah, kudos to the director, kudos to the actor who played the role, kudos to the actors who acted against that role because as menacing as he was, if they weren't feeling the menace, it wouldn't matter. The actor who uh, lost who played Jax, when he got into the fight, he started getting into the fight. When he realized he was losing the fight, he looked. Like he was losing the fight, and that was very cool. Like it's such a well done movie. I don't think I gave it enough credit when I first watched it, and we recorded right after I first watched it. My second viewing did not disappoint. When you saw it most recently, what were your thoughts? So, all right, Mortal Kombat. I'm not against it. Okay, and Sub Zero honestly was the best part of the film. He is what (laughs) I enjoyed the most, and I did enjoy the film but in the beginning when you said the, the word cheesy captured it pretty well john <laughs> it's yeah. cheesy factor um some of the plot and the way that eh, was it good did i enjoy it absolutely is it something that i could bring myself to vote vote for in a category that says best film i couldn't do it i just couldn't i'm sorry i couldn't do it so so what did you vote for if you don't mind me asking Oh, oh! I can't tell you that. <laughs> I, I will say this: I struggled. actually, I, I struggled. I did vote for Mortal Kombat in the end because it was it was it was a tough set of choices. Yep. Yep. So, so then that's so then that's interesting. Then, so the three hosts of the show all voted for Mortal Kombat, and then Twitter and uh, Facebook were split between Kong versus Godzilla and Black Widow. So. I wanted to be able to vote for Black Widow. I, I, I really wanted to be able to. Yeah. Did. I think Lee hit it pretty well. I mean, there were parts of it that were good, and most of them were centered around one actor. Yeah. Eh, a couple of them. But it just, it, it, it never connected enough and hit it out of the park. All right. Let's jump from the big screen back down to the small screen for a couple of categories here. We have uh, our best new show not in the MCU because the MCU so dominated the landscape for this last year. Uh, they get a bunch of their own categories. And so right. we're just, that's just the conceit behind all of this. But they, they best, put out a huge number of products with all the oh, shows. Huge number. Yeah. Huge number. Yeah. Well, they were the first uh, one to keep get up and running. Um, yeah, we we briefly mentioned it, but we should say, and in all fairness to all the production houses out there who've been putting together good work, there's a lot of stuff that has started coming out this fall and is in the works for coming out next fall that the pandemic, like so many of us, sidelined tons of projects. The MCU was already geared. So while its stuff came out late, it had shows that came out prior to the end of our time frame. 
other shows got delayed and pushed beyond the time frame. So there are some shows yeah. that can't yeah. be considered because they that didn't just means next year it's going to be even harder. Well, uh, well, and they, they've just announced too that a bunch of a bunch of the new Phase Four movies are going to be delayed up to a year. So, um, like they're starting to talk about like Doctor Strange now is like end of next year. That's kind of so it's like there's going to be some significant delays in the MCU next year. Um, and so yeah, it's it's definitely going to put it's going to it's it'll be interesting to see when we get together next September to go ahead and decide on our categories how this is going to shake out. So, but in the meantime, we're on tonight. for this year. Best new show not in the MCU, uh, and your nominees are The Nevers, The Bad Batch, Superman and Lois, Shadow and Bone. Yes. And the winner of the best new show not in the MCU questy goes to, in a slight edge, literally one vote. Every category got a single vote except for our winner, which got two, Superman and Lois. Yeah, yeah. So I just I knew that was gonna go. I thought that was gonna go Shadow and Bone. I really, I really did, did because so many people have seen it. Yeah. First of all, obviously my vote, hands down. And I want to say for our followers that are big Uh-oh. Shadow and Bone frames, uh, that is not a slight on Shadow and Bone. That is certainly not, not a slight on the Nevers, which was actually my number two. Um, yeah. Uh, I actually have been talking with one of the staff writers for the Never Show. He he's a follower of ours on Twitter. We've had some really good uh, conversations and private messages um, that are really enlightening. What I can say is, it is not a dig on any show. It is just how damn surprisingly good Superman and Lois was compared to my expectations going in. Like, right, just, and surprising it, is a key word there because there have been so many Superman shows, and we enjoy yeah. them all. Yeah, but we, we didn't we expect, were having a conversation with our patrons earlier. Yeah, did Go not ahead. expect them to come out of the gate like that. Like, nope. They just, they just I mean, they blew doors off. Yeah, it had to be my my vote. I mean, I, when we did the episode on Superman and Lois, I straight up said that it was the best first season of a show I'd ever seen. Yeah. Now, mind you, that was an impassioned statement and I haven't gone back through and truly tried to, you know, <laughs> dig through the data and back that up yet. Right, right, right. But I still stand by it because it had, it had everything. I'm not going to say that it didn't have any episodes that might've been able to use a little bit of a tweak. I'm not going to say every mm-hmm. moment of it was edge of the seat perfection, but it had so much amazing acting. I mean, that was its biggest thing. Like not just from the action, but from the action to the drama, to the emotion, to the comedy, all of it, it nailed it. Yep family realism on TV like you don't often see. I, I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I obviously did not vote for Superman and Lois since you two have said that you did. Uh, my vote went to the Nevers. And the reason why my vote went to the Nevers is because as good as the first season of Superman and Lois is, and there is no hands down. I like. I, I agree with you, Glenn. I still think that it is. it is absolutely one of the strongest first seasons that I've ever seen and could possibly be the strongest first season that I've ever seen. There was something about the take on a, on a favorite time period and a favorite type of show that the nevers did for me that I just couldn't ignore it at the end. I mean, I I thought that the character writing was so stinking strong, so stinking strong. Um, And honestly, if the nevers had not ended the way the nevers ended if that last episode was not the last episode you know if if it wasn't in there when all of a sudden the way that they explain what is actually going on 
you talk about things that totally caught me by surprise. I did not, I did not see that last episode yeah. of season one coming. It caught me totally flat footed to the point that I had to go back and watch. Like I was concerned 15 minutes into that episode that I was actually watching the wrong show. That's how, <laughs> that's how bizarre and off kilter that episode was. But and then so awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome. And so ultimately, that's why my vote went to the Nevers. I totally uh, appreciate everything that uh, that the the cast and the directorship of uh, Superman and Lois did. And the writer. Um, a f- a, a, yeah, just a phenomenal show. Exactly. And, and the writers. Well, uh, just, a, just a phenomenal show from start to finish. I, uh, I, no no shame that I did not win yeah. at all. Look, I got it. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to starting the Nevers, but I hadn't seen it yet because I didn't have oh, access before. Actually got to watch it. Absolutely got to watch it. All right. So our next category, we're going to stay on the small screen. And as we alluded to earlier, our next category is best new show in the MCU. Uh, some super strong, obviously, uh, entries in this category. And for our nominees and our winner, we are going to turn to uh, friends of the show, podcasters from another mother, the Marvelous Madams. Hello, TTJ listeners. Chris and Amy here, hosts of the Marvelous Madams podcast. Our brothers in podcasting have called on us to tell you the winner of their 2021 Questie Award for Best MCU Project. The nominees are WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and What If. And the winner is, as if there were ever any doubt, the God of Mischief. Your bias is showing, my dear. Don't care. Be sure to tune in to The Marvelous Madams every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Marvelous. Amy and uh, uh, Chris, thank you so much. That was, that was awesome. absolutely amazing. Thank you for doing that. And of course, Loki, of course, the winner mm-hmm. of Best Show in the MCU. Um, you want to talk about... Uh, so actually, this one was closer than you might think because uh, the hosts were split for one. Uh, but again, this is another one where uh, there was actually a tie between Loki and WandaVision, and we had to go to our Patreons uh, and ask them to go ahead and break the tie. Um, and then they overwhelmingly voted for Loki, uh, which made Chris's heart happy and uh, restored her faith in humanity because she was uh, absolutely distraught that not everybody had voted for Loki uh, out of the gate. So uh, Marvelous Madams, thank you so much we appreciate you taking some time to go ahead and do that for us because uh, we couldn't think of anybody else that we wanted to go ahead and include on that. But uh, so, uh, gentlemen, Loki, how about it? Yeah. First of all, before I say anything about Loki, I also want to add my thanks to Madam Chris and Madam Amy. Amazing. And I am so happy that you got to have the winner you wanted, Madam Chris. I'm glad we were able to supply you with an audience that, that feels on the aggregate as you do. Uh, keyword on the aggregate (laughs) yeah um look loki i have no bad things to say about the show tom hiddleston first of all acting perfection i actually was just re-listening to a marvelous madam's podcast uh they did a ladies roundup about the loki series and they did a deep dive into talking about hiddleston's reactions his facial features how he acted some scenes without words and how amazing that was. And all I'm going to do is echo those words. Honestly, listen to the Marvelous Madams and their Loki breakdowns. because Episode by episode, fantastic thoughts on on that show. But I'm just going to echo it. Tom Hiddleston, heck yes. The best part about Loki, though, was not that Tom Hiddleston did it alone. It was the fact that he was supported by so many fantastic actors 
the actor who played uh, B-15, Renslayer, Sylvie, and all the things that that cast and crew did, acting and completing scenes before and after pandemic caused a break in the filming and coming back to things afterwards and the way it had to change elements of the production. So well done. So well done. And that's no shade to any of the other Marvel shows that are on the list. It's just at the end of the day, one of them has a glorious purpose. And it was <laughs> <laughs> nicely said, nicely said. And maybe an alligator. Maybe an alligator. <laughs> it has a glorious purpose and maybe an alligator. And maybe no, Loki really was it. Loki really was a great show. And thank you very much, Marvelous Madams, for doing that for us. That was hysterically. No, it wasn't. It wasn't hysterical. It was just awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was just awesome. It was brilliant. Like, ev- like everything that they do. I-, I will stand by my statement that the Marvelous Madams are the best MCU podcast out right now. Yeah, they, they, ended, they ended me on a laugh, so that, that kept me stuck on the hilarity. But no, it was yeah. just great. <laughs> um, and the episode that we did on Loki with Madam Chris, I mean, that was mm. – I mean, yeah, it had me wanting to vote for Loki from before I even you know got to the end. But yeah. Really good show. Yep. Okay. On to one of my favorite categories this year. So when we started trying to figure out how to fit Giancarlo Esposito into these awards because of our mad love for Giancarlo Esposito, we came up with the concept for this award, the best big bad on screen, otherwise known as the annual Gus Fring Award or the Gustavo. And your nominees are... For Best Big Bad on Screen, uh, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon from The Mandalorian, Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness from WandaVision, Aaron Kellerman as Carly Morgenthau from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Joe Taslam as Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. And the winner here, again, uh, decided by our Patreons because of a tie, uh, but our Patreons overwhelmingly selected... Catherine Hahn as Agatha Harkness from WandaVision. Uh, uh, if I were not wearing my tuxedo right now, I would certainly be wearing my Agatha all on t-shirt. Exciting news that there is going to be a Agatha Harkness themed spinoff of WandaVision coming out uh, in the next couple of years here, which I think is wildly exciting. But yeah, I mean, look, you can't go wrong with any of those choices. I'm, I'm a little sad that Joe Taslam didn't win because of how good he was in Mortal Kombat. But uh, again, like you can't, you can't look at Catherine Hahn as Agatha especially with the the amount of pain and pathos that Wanda winds up going through basically because she was being manipulated by Agatha. Um, right. You know, solid choice. She was a solid villain once we were 100% she was a villain. She was an yep. excellent, excellent supporting actor in the, in the show, all the other episodes leading up to it, and added that proper amount of fun. Again, I use the phrase menace, and you could see it all along. And it was great. Yep. <laughs> Agatha all along. That's right. No, Agatha Agatha definitely was a pretty awesome villain. Um, and the way she was manipulating from within the scenes as opposed to behind the scenes. It was really cool to watch. And I was blown away by the it was Agatha all, all along reveal. Did not see mm-hmm. it coming. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't. So I did really. And I like it when I can be surprised. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yep. I realized it before the very last minute, but like it held me till it got really close. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't happen often, and I, I really enjoyed it. Mm, Something to be said when you've been watching shows and movies, genre stuff, when something happens and you're like, oh, it's fully supported, so it fully makes sense, but you didn't expect it. 
that gets extra points in my book every single time. Yep. The sixth sense factor. Did you know you could have been listening to this episode two days ago? That's right, because early access to our episodes is only one of the benefits that we offer to our Patreon subscribers. You can get early access to every show, exclusive content, and the opportunity to throw dice with your favorite hosts every month. Right now, we're running a membership drive through the end of November for our first anniversary. If we reach 20 subscribers by that date, we will start a regular live show. And when we get to 25 subscribers, we're going to open our tables for a second Patreon-exclusive game. So if the actual play episodes aren't your thing, you can still join your hosts on the download. For more details, go check www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. And thank you for enjoying the show. Moving on to our best portrayal of a character under 20 years old, which apparently was a category with some controversy, but we'll get into that in just a second here. Uh-oh. Um, so your nominees are Jordan Elsass as Jonathan Kent from Superman and Lois, Alex Garfin as Jordan Kent from Superman and Lois, mm-hmm. Jesse May Lee as Alina Starkoff from Shadow and Bone, and Breck Basinger, Basinger, Basinger? Basinger. Basinger, I believe. As Stargirl from Stargirl. And the winner is a tie, but a tie in the absolute best way possible. Okay. I'm happy. You don't have to say anything else. I'm happy. Yep. Uh, Because Jordan Elsass and Alex Garfin share the award for best portrayal of a character under 20 years old as John. God, I wore back and forth. Yep. That is awesome. That is I did too. Man, they, they were absolutely. The two that I was trying to pick between, I ultimately settled for Alex Garfin. Two phenomenal portrayals. Let me touch on the controversy behind this category a little bit. And Glenn, maybe you can weigh in on this. Because apparently, Alina Starkoff is older than 20 in the show, even though she is not older than 20 in the books. I never caught an age mentioned in this show. I never caught an age mentioned either. And so that was kind of my point on it too, is that uh, apparently it was kind of like a, a like a behind-the-scenes acknowledgement, uh, uh, and it was a conscious decision by the show apparently to portray her older than 20 because of the love entanglement with uh, General Kirigan. And he's so much older. Okay, mm-hmm. I get that. Yep. Because if yep. they made her like 18 or 19, okay. Yep. I can so, respect that, but I didn't realize it when we developed nope. this category. So nope, me either. Yeah. In, and in that know, instance, and, apologies for the yeah. controversy. We did not realize. Yeah, no, no, no. And I don't even think that we necessarily have to apologize for it. Uh, but yeah, uh, because right. because it is pretty clear in the book that she's under 20. I just wanted to go ahead and point it out that it was something that uh, that our astute uh, Twitter followers had pointed out when we released the category. So. Cool. Hey, but, thanks yeah. for keeping us on our toes. Yep, absolutely. An award shared between the Kent brothers. Can't go wrong with that. Absolutely the perfect choice right there. Um, and that actually brings uh, Superman and Lois into a tie with Shadow and Bone right now. Uh, both shows with two awards so far. So Yeah, I just want to talk about jo- Jordan and Jonathan Kent and uh, the Kent. Well, we have to. The Kent boys, because we're going to talk about the category and the character that made the show for me. Hint, it wasn't Superman. But... Right, I would say without a doubt, it was playing off of what that character did on their on their own, but also playing off of these two and what they did together that really solidified the show for me. Um, I thought it was a legitimate and genuine depiction of siblings 
I I said earlier the most realistic family drama that I've seen in TV. Even though it's set in this fantastic comic book world, as far as interactions, scene by scene, how brothers mess with each other, support each other, fight with each other, love each other, don't want to be around each other, all of those things were there. How kids can be mad at their parents, but still in that moment, all of those things and a lot of that, a lot of that heavy, heavy lifting was done by the Kent boys. Uh, the fact that that these two amazing young actors stepped into those roles and took it the way they took it, just great stuff. I mean, you're not wrong. Alex and Jordan as the Kent boys, I mean, they sold every scene. There wasn't an emotion that they portrayed that they did not make me believe 100%. I mean, they... Yep. They, they showed acting chops greater than grandmasters that I've watched in film. Uh, well, maybe not greater, but on par with. They were, they were amazing. And it was exactly that, the fi- family dynamic that made the show. And honestly, that's what makes the show so special anyway. And Superman, though, you know, obviously he's Superman. He's kind of not the star, which Lee, which, which Lee mentioned. But he yep. do- still adds to the family as, when he's Clark. You know, so Clark Kent versus... Superman. When Clark Kent is home, he adds to that family dynamic, and they all just play so well off of each other. It's it's, it's amazing it's, to behold. It's a legit family, and following Jordan on Twitter, seeing the field trips that the actors take outside while they're filming the show in Vancouver, uh, Tyler Hawkland takes uh, both boys like on hikes, and is just amazing. It, there's no wonder why we see such great stuff on film, because of what they do off-screen to get ready and just be good people to each other and uh, yep. the way they support each other and support each other's causes and back each other up on Twitter and follow each other and say good things about each other. What an amazing cast of characters to be a cast of people to be around. It's awesome. Okay. We are winding down here. We only have four more categories to go, but our fourth to last category, best guest appearance, not in the Mandalorian. And that's kind of an inner, uh, like an inside joke here, right? Is that because of the Mandalorian, just like they pulled guest appearances out of everywhere. We'll get to them right. in just a second. Uh, but we start with best guest appearance, not in the Mandalorian. And your nominees are Evan Peters as Pietro in WandaVision. David Ramsey as John Diggle in Superman and Lois. Jonathan Frakes as William Riker in Star Trek Lower Decks. And Don Cheadle as Rhodey in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the winner of the questie for best guest appearance, not in the Mandalorian WandaVision joins the ranks of the winners of two awards with Evan Peters as Pietro. Yeah. Yeah. Such a brilliant casting idea to have him play pretend Quicksilver. I mean, just like, just to cross cross movie like that. Yeah. Just absolutely hysterical. Disney tweaking the nose of Fox just a little bit. Love it. Absolutely love it. Love it, love it, love it. Although my my vote totally went to Jonathan Frakes as William Riker. Uh, did it? Because absolutely it did. Yeah, because I, being such a huge Star Trek fan, Jonathan Frakes making fun of his own character in a show that he was helping direct was just absolute money for me. So yeah. that was, uh, you know. And his second season appearances took it to a whole new level. Yeah, fair enough. Like, just, just love Jonathan Frakes. Uh, whenever he steps into the role of Will Riker in whatever capacity he is, love him behind the scenes in Star Trek, and I think he's great. 
Um, Evan Peterson, however, won the category. So I'm going to stop talking about Jonathan for a moment. <laughs> like Star Trek fans are going to be very upset with me. Evan Peters uh, was so fun. The meta of it was great. The actual portrayal was good and solid and enjoyable. I understand why he won, even if that wasn't my specific vote. Yep. Kudos to Evan. Kudos to WandaVision for your second win. No bad things to say about it. So, no, Evan Peters is a great choice, and it was my choice. So, yeah, yeah, love it. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't help it. It was what we were talking about earlier, that, like, did that really just freaking happen? <laughs> that That's reaction fair. is yeah. why I had to go with it, okay? Yeah. It was the, I did not see that coming in a million years. Yeah. Um, just having her open the door and have her brother be played by the Quicksilver from another mother. Um, <laughs> it was just kind of awesome. And then he did a good job, too. I mean, he, he played in the episode while he was, you know, a creepy jerk version of himself, but also still kind of fun with the kids. And and he had an awesome creepy vibe around the fun, which was really cool. All right. So now we uh, now we shift to our best guest appearance in The Mandalorian. And uh, this one came with the little subtext. Uh, Dear Mr. Filoni, we love you and you get your own co- your own category. Damn it. Best guest appearance in The Mandalorian. Your nominees are Bill Burr as Mayfeld, Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan, Rosario Dawson as, Ahsoka, as Ahsoka Tano, and Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth. And once again, we had to go to the Patreons for this one to go ahead and get our tie between Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano and Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan decided. And once again, the Patreons overwhelmingly went with Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan, which really at the end of the day, I think is, is absolutely the best choice in this category because I loved Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and Katie Sackhoff has been Bo-Katan since the Clone Wars. Uh, she, she has put in her time. She earned this one to be able to appear on screen as Bo-Katan I hope that it was as satisfying for her to appear on screen as Bo-Katan as it was for me to go ahead and see her as Bo-Katan. So that's a, you know. I will, I will say this. I have been a fan of Katie Sackhoff, and I said it in her episode since my very first viewing of Battlestar Galactica. I think she's an amazing actor. I love her energy. I follow her on Facebook. I follow her on, on Twitter because she's just a fun person. Congratulations on your nuptials not too long ago. I believe it was just over a week ago. Um, oh, nice. Uh, Ms. Sackhoff, I hope this is uh, an award that uh, you hear about at some point and think of. That was pretty cool. Amazing job in that role. Really, really, really well done. Well done. And definitely, in my opinion, the clear choice as well, just for the longevity in the role and the, the coolness of playing it both as a voice actor and as a physical actor. I think yep. that's wicked cool. Totally agree. Um, so 100% yep. went the right way. I'm going to admit that I voted for Rosario Dawson because yeah. I'm a huge fan of the actress and have been forever. I yeah. agree that it, it, it went the way that it should have gone. Yeah, it did, it, it did not go, a stinker in the group with that one. Yeah, no, it was, did go the way it needed to go, and I and I have I kind of went old school, and I went back to my South Shore roots and went Bill Burr because I thought his his role as Mayfield, especially in the scene uh, versus oh, uh, versus the with uh, the commanding officer, there. commanding officer there, yeah, was just so good. It was a whole different level of acting, and one I again. Never thought, never saw that coming from Bill Burr. 
never yeah. saw that coming. So no. I did kind of go with, with, with the hometown hero, Bill Burr, uh, with my vote. That said, Katie, this is yours. You deserve it. You're amazing. Thank you for everything. Our penultimate category here, uh, best performance in a superhero show. This was a tough category. <laughs> we uh, we outdid ourselves on this one, my friends. Uh, your nominees are Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda from WandaVision. Amazing. Bitsy, tu- Bitsy Tulak as Lois Lane from Superman and Lois. Mm, also. Amazing. Yeah. Anthony Mackie as Falcon from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And Tom so Hiddleston good. as Loki from Loki. Yeah, before I reveal who, who won this category, man, how did we manage to pick between those four portrayals? They right. were all amazing. I don't all think I could amazing. pick a flaw in any right. of the performances. There was yes. not a single they were all they were just different styles. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's not, there's, every character was completely different. Every character was in a different kind of show, and every character did what they did differently but to the level that I've never seen done before. So yep. it it yep. literally came down to which one for me with my vote. And yeah. I have no ill will towards any other vote made in this category. But right. I personally made my vote by which actor had a scene that made me stop and just mouth agape like what am I watching at this moment? Like, I just didn't know what I was watching. And well, and because it, of that, that's why I went with the vote I went. Yeah. I had to go with whoever shined brightest. I mean, because yep. they all shone brightly. You had to pick the one that shone brightest for you. Yeah. And uh, clearly the character who won this category resonated because it was not close. Uh, the winner uh, and... Uh, I will say absolutely my probably my happiest vote cast in this process. Uh, the winner of the best performance in a superhero show, Questy, goes to Bitsy Tulak as Lois Lane from Superman and Lois. An amazing portrayal this season. An absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. She did things. You know, uh, the the thing that really set it aside for me was Lee Winiko when you said, and Glenn, you said this too, that. Of all the Lois Lanes that have Lois Laned, this performance and and what Bitsy Tulak was able to do on screen as Lois Lane is is now the standard that every other Lois Lane is going to be held to. That right. that yeah. really underscored for me uh, how special her performance was. Like I could see it and say, okay, yep, she's doing really special things. Uh, but to hear you guys uh, extol that from kind of the comic book perspective on that and and how and the quality of the uh, of the performance and the writing and everything really solidified it for me i can tell you if you have not watched this show there is a a scene in an episode that if you extract that from a superhero show and put that against any scene where you have one actress and one other person in a room and they're just sitting and talking about a past tragedy you will find that that is one of the greatest acting scenes you'll ever see. And, and that's, that's without a doubt. Like I, I stand by that statement and I will fight on any Hill. Anybody <laughs> decides to build and fight yeah. that battle for that, well, for that statement. And it speaks directly to, you know, the level of performance that, that spanned the entire season of this show. And it also speaks directly to what really made the show great. 
and I don't mean just Bitsy Tulik because Bitsy Tulik was amazing. We've talked about it before. It's the overall way that they all worked together and that the, the best parts of the show weren't the superhero action. It was the drama that the actors like Bitsy brought to the scenes. And it was the way that you felt her fear as a mother when she's freaking out because she thought her boys could have been injured or killed. Like never seen a mom act that the I've seen my mom do it. Like when she caught me jumping off of a roof, but I've never seen an actor capture that until then. There's a scene where Lois is mad at Clark because something the boys did that she feels he should have handled. He's trying to be calm. And any of us who are dads that have been in that situation where your kid is seriously screwed up and you're getting dressed down because your kid screwed up and you're just <laughs> trying to like get out of the situation. And this is the man of steel, mind you, who's like, do you know what your son did today? Yeah. yeah, you're yeah getting that. Getting that <laughs> and then that kid decides that that kid's brother decides to listen in on the conversation and is told to leave and doesn't leave. And Lois turns doesn't even turn to face him, just recognizes that he's still there and goes, Jordan, I said upstairs. That is perfect. Like, I have yeah. lived that moment with my mother so many times. So many times. I have she said in, in such one. a way that I almost went upstairs and my name's not Jordan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Starts with a J, so you were out. Yeah. Not, not one of us said that on the show when we were talking about it. I'm like, I actually uh, got up. I'm like, I am upstairs. <laughs> but mom. But mom. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it was moments like that that are just not captured on television. Maybe they're in some movie yeah. somewhere. I've not seen it. I've, I've just not seen it before. And I am yep. so glad, so proud to be part of a broadcast that is giving this actor her due. Yep. And and she was she's propped up by all of the actors around her too, not just in the show in the dialogue, but like the way that they support each other offset if you've had a chance to read or you know get access to any of the commentary. The actors were all like, Oh my god, to B- Bitsy, that was so amazing. Like they were yeah. saying how great she yeah. was as she was going through these performances. After um, that episode so. and after the other scene, which I purposely did not give a lot of details on. Because it will take away from the scene if you know what's going on before you watch it. Um, yeah, I tried to stay vague too because we know a lot of our listeners haven't watched it. Yeah, because of the channel split. Yeah, but yep. w- what I can say is, immediately after each of those episodes, one of the first things I saw on Twitter was Jordan talking about how amazing it was to watch her film those scenes. Yep. That. Yep. Uh, uh, I know a few professional actors and when they tell me I used to love, I would like, if I wasn't even in the scene, I would just go to set to watch them do something. I know what that means. That means something special is happening. And whenever she was on screen, something special was happening. Okay. All right. We come down now to our last category, which kudos again to our listeners on Facebook uh, with uh, with a category that received something like 650 votes or something like that uh, across all four choices. We bring you as our last category tonight, best performance in a sci-fi or fantasy show. And your nominees are Ben Barnes as General Kerrigan from Shadow and Bone. Laura Donnelly as Amalia True from The Nevers. 
Sonequa Martin-Green as Michael Burnham from Star Trek Discovery. Kit Young as Jesper from Shadow and Bone. So Shadow and Bone with two entries in this category, uh, which again, I think kind of speaks to the uh, quality of that show. Um, But the far and away landslide winner of the best performance in a sci-fi fantasy show, Questy for 2021, Ben Barnes as General Kerrigan, which again, you know, thank you uh, to to Twitter because uh, of those 650 votes, I think he got something like 85% of them uh, in just an absolutely insane number of votes <laughs> in this category. And truly, truly, truly an amazing role, amazingly acted, amazingly written. The role of General Kerrigan, I, you know, we, we kind of spoke about this in the side quest that I was kind of like... Sometimes you could tell that the that the book was originally a uh, young adult novel series because of some of the themes and some of the way that it handled some things. And so I think that you know General Kerrigan as the you know the the dark brooding you know heart of heart of darkness troubled soul could be could be cheesy could be an overplayed trope that doesn't have any special sauce to it. What Ben Barnes did with that role, however, was stinking amazing. Look, I said it in our episode when we talked about Chatter and Bone. If you have not seen the show, as soon as we're done, stop. Go watch the show. Yeah. Stop. Go listen to our our episode about the show. Then understand that this is where this comes from. I have followed this guy since he started playing Jigsaw in The Punisher, the two seasons of the Netflix special, and thought there was something very special about this actor then. Uh, yep. There's something about him making a portrayal, and not the first person to ever play Jigsaw Live, by the way. Clearly the best. Uh, that gave it nuance, gave it gravitas, gave it yep. sympathy in the role for uh, a bad character. That And it was so well done. Yeah, I knew yeah. there was something. When I saw he was in this, I'm like, we're in for a treat. Like, I knew it. I'm like, every, whenever you get a show that has all brand new actors, there's always a seasoned actor that they kind of put in the mix to kind of glue it all together. Wow. Did he do that? And just have all the main characters navigating around him as the big bad. Like he was the big bad and they had to do their things to escape him, to figure him out, to beat him, to get away from him and all those things. Those are the kinds of things that we try to bring to our tables. And I think Ben Barnes gave us a, a real good depiction of, Yep. what a big bad should be in a tabletop yeah. game. And not for nothing, but if Ben Barnes hadn't won this category, Kit Young as Jesper would have won this category because he was he was a... I mean, everyone was distant to Ben Barnes because of the, the number of votes that he got. Uh, but Kit Young uh, very much uh, had a very respectable showing in this category. So this category was going to shadow and bone kind of regardless of which of the actors was, uh, was going to win it. So, And I didn't even know that I was going to get Ben Barnes when I started Shadow and Bone. For me, I wound up watching it with my kids while I was in Wisconsin helping uh, my son move out there and just kind of went into it blind because they said it was good. They'd only watched one episode. I jumped in with them and man, uh, did it hook me from the beginning. And that's when I learned that it was based on a prequel to a set of books that I'd read. So that hooked me in even more. But then as soon as he hit the screen, I'm like, oh, oh, this just got better. Guaranteed to have just gotten better because of all the things I've seen him in before and everything he's ever played, he's done such a good job. And in terms of being a villain, he can capture sinister 
really well. So well. Really well. I mean, <laughs> not being creepy, not being like maniacally evil, just like sinisterly driven. Yeah. But he can still be super charming when he needs to be. Yep. But yep. Th- that's not going to save you. Yeah. Uh, and- <laughs> I think the way I think about his villainy is that there's just this simmering rage. Yeah. I don't even think rage is the right word. There's this simmering anger, villainy drive that at a moment, if you are in the way of what he desires, you know you're not, not going to be in his way for long. And as a fan of all kinds of genres, and I said it again, something I said in the episode, his first scene uh, where he displays his power, I saw that and said, that is the perfect Lasombra. Like, I just, that, yep. I don't give that praise lightly. Lasombra is my favorite vampire of the masquerade clan for a purpose. And I don't see a lot of great Lasombras everywhere. In fact, I will usually see Ventures, and I think of them as secondhand Lasombra. The ones You're not wrong. He is, he is La Sombra. But and Ventrue is not secondhand La Sombra. Ventrue is its own thing. But what I will say, that's my thought because I'm all La Sombra. But, yeah, that's not what we're talking about anyway, my bad. But <laughs> I, I can tell you, I don't see perfect La Sombras often. Very yeah. rarely. So when I say that's the perfect La Sombra, I le- legitimately believe it. I legitimately yeah. mean it. And anybody who's played Vampire the Masquerade Ben Barnes is the Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Sooner or later, maybe when he's a little bit older, he'll get the role playing the devil. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. Just print that right now. Okay. So let's uh, let's wrap this up a little bit. So I wanted to, uh, let's see, if we talk about kind of which. The shadow and bone thing and how strong they ran through yeah. reminded me of what I totally forgot I was going to say in the middle of saying it earlier. Short <laughs> version is just that. More people watch Netflix than they watch the other ones. Netflix is king. It's getting totally. kicked off of its off of its throne. But I'm trying to find a way to put into words that the results may not necessarily reflect. Totally. You know? Oh yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I mean, I think the nevers more being on HBO. Than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. The nevers Sorry. absolutely suffers from not from being on HBO in terms right. of the number of people that watch it. And, and Superman and, and Lois too. But all that to go ahead and say that I think you're absolutely right about about Shadow and Bone and. What for me stood out is that Shadow and Bone and Superman and Lois dominated all these categories. They took of the possible ten between Shadow and Bone, Shadow and Bone, and Superman and Lois. They won six of them. Absolute domination by those two. And what did those two shows, in terms of the awards, have in common? That it came down to the characters and it came down to the setting. Right? What did Shadow and Bone win? Most innovative world. Kit Young as Jesper and Ben Barnes as General Kerrigan won an award. And then what's the Superman and Lois win? Best new show, best performance, and uh, and then the best best character uh, for the Kent boys uh, sh- sharing the award uh, within the show there, right? So it came down to character and it came down to setting for both of them. Right. And again, you know, we try to tie these side quests back to the table. Storytellers out there, take heed with that. What are your people going to remember when they play in their game? They're going to remember character and they're going to remember your setting. They're, they're not going to remember necessarily you know, the, how many kobolds they had to fight or how many this they had to go ahead and do or anything like that. But they're going to remember the setting and they're going to remember the characters, that they, the, the people that they meet along the way. They're not going to remember whether or not... Good connection. Yeah, they're not, going to, they're not going to remember whether or not you have the dice mechanic you used. Yeah. Um, they'll remember that. 
the next game they play, the next campaign they're in, or the next table they go to. Ten years down the road, when they're saying, oh, do you remember that game when? They're going to remember the character that stood out. They're going to remember, oh, I remember that setting and how menacing it was going into that castle or how awesome it was when we finally won and we came back to the town and everybody loved us, that big celebration. Or they're going to remember the fellowship that happened around the campfire. Those are the things that people are going to remember. You know, it has been years since I read the first three Dragonlance novels. But what I remember the most out of the autumns of, of Autumn Twilight is the first campfire they were at and the first and the and the scene when they were at the end of the lost homes. And I remember how cool Tika Whalen was when she whacked somebody with a with a with the skillet. And it doesn't have a lot to do with TV, but again, it's about setting. It's about character. I remember that character and I remember that setting. And, and that's what people are going to remember about your game. So definitely bring those two things and you're going to keep your players. All right, Glenn, any other uh, final words for you, sir? I don't know. The questions were a lot of fun. I really yep. enjoyed uh, setting up the categories and the votes and watching the process and watching yeah. Lee chew his fingernails down to nubs over whether or not Pitsy was <laughs> going to get bumped out of first place. Win. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was, I was like, she better win. She better win. And yeah. uh, I was prepared for her not to simply because of the show split, you know, and whether or not everybody had a chance to watch it. And yep. If you haven't seen it, you don't know how amazing she was. Yep. But I'm very pleased that she did. And yep. overall, though, I don't think there's a single category that I could say I was disappointed in the results of. So nope, uh, totally I totally agree. Think it's a win, win, win. Yep. Absolutely agree. I will close tonight with one bit of big news. Uh, literally within the last 10 minutes, friend of the show appeared on the show. Benito Sanase has become our latest Patreon subscriber. So uh, thank you so much, Benito. So thank oh my you God. very much, Benito. Yeah. Appreciate that. As always, thank you very much for your support of the show. We love our Patreons. So, uh, you know, go check uh, the Patreon page and see how to go ahead and get in on that action. So Absolutely. they'll be, uh, join us. Yeah. So, Anywho, gentlemen, thank you as always. Uh, have a good evening. I agree. Totally fun. We should do this again next year. I love it. I, I think we should. And, and, <laughs> and I think I want to make it. I want to challenge our audience this way. Tell us the shows that we should be watching if yeah. not already watching. Please tell us what we missed. Absolutely. Tell us what we're missing. By the way, yep. The Nevers who didn't get an award tonight was an amazing show. I want to yep. go out of our way to thank Pete Bradshaw for bringing that to our attention. It was one of the best shows that I probably would not have watched if it wasn't for yep. the audience of this program. You know, I and totally Marty, agree with you, actually. Marty yeah. boosted and, Shadow and Bone and to Marty us, too. For, another and, one of our fans. Yeah. Marty, yep. thank you for Shadow and Bone. Yep. I think between Glenn and John. That was an easy I, sell. I, I was already watching yeah. it. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, honestly, there is so much good television out there. There's yep. going to be things we miss. So yep. light us up. Let us yep. know what we're missing so we can make sure we're out there uh, watching it, giving it a shot. Yeah. Uh, yep. We'll do our best to get our, eye our eyeballs on yep. it. Well, yeah, but we, we love we love talking about stuff on SideQuest. So please let us know what you want to hear about. Thank you very much, everybody. These questies for 2021 are over, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a great evening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. 
And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.